This podcast is part of the Big Data Beards virtual race to Splunk.com. Be sure to tune in to all the racing action by visiting youtube.com forward slash Big Data Beard or simply visit BigDataBeard.com and click virtualracetoconf. You're listening to the Big Data Beard. Welcome back to another Big Data Beard podcast on our virtual race to dot conf 2020. This is episode three of our virtual race to conf, and I couldn't be more excited about the star-studded lineup of guests that we have joining us today. It wouldn't be a race series without McLaren participating, and we have some of the best. So I'm going to hand it over to Corey to talk to Lando from McLaren about all the cool things that he is doing. Well, I'd like to welcome none other than Lando Norris, driver for McLaren's incredible F1 team. Lando Norris, thank you for joining us on the Big Data Beards virtual race to .conf. Welcome. How are you today? Thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure. Um, I'm very good. Uh, in between a few races at the moment, but um, yeah, having a having a great time and enjoying myself. So it's going very well. Excellent. Well, now I know I've looked at your social media, followed you on Twitch. So I know you're more than just an incredible race car driver. You're actually quite into gaming and esports. And I'm curious from your perspective, you know, how has esports e and maybe race simulation been uh, been a part, a critical part of your development as a race car driver? Um, it's been a, it's been a huge part, and it's something I've uh, I've used and uh, really enjoyed doing since I was a little kid, you know, since I was um, before I even started racing itself. So when I was four, five, six years old, I guess, playing on the PlayStation to start with um, and playing the racing games and, and going against my brother. But, you know, throughout the years, it's evolved a lot, esports, and um, eventually, you know, going to the more online competitions against other drivers, against other drivers that I race with in Formula One or the, the different categories. And um, it's something that I've always seen as being very beneficial for myself and uh, the development of me through every year, you know, because every year I've done different, uh, I've done a different class. And this is my first time since I started go-karts that I've done the same category for a second year. Um, and every year has been about development, but also then preparing for the, the, the following year and, the, and preparing for the next year. So it's always been very difficult to combine the two. Um, so that's when esports and, and using my simulator and so on has come into play. And I can one race on the track in my current series, but to prepare for that next year, prepare for the, the racing the, the following year in the next category. And um, it's something I've uh, enjoyed very much doing at the same time. Nice. So, so you obviously use it for development, but I'm curious, do you see esports and these these racing simulators as they've obviously gotten so much better and so much more real uh, in the last uh, five to 10 years? Do you see those as kind of a, a hotbed of talent to drive the future of motorsports? Um, absolutely. You know, I think for, for us in Formula One and growing up, it's been one of the most beneficial things for myself. Um, and like you said, with the development from the actual simulator itself, uh, and becoming more and more realistic and giving better and better feedback to the driver who's driving it. Um, you're being able to see more of the, the talent from a real racing driver already displayed in simulator. 
and a lot of the traits that you need to be a you know a very good racing driver displayed in that simulator so we're seeing more of those drivers go from getting the opportunity to driving just on a simulator never having driven a, a real car or any racing experience only having driven a simulator to doing very well performing very well getting an opportunity to drive in a real car and you know doing an, an exceptional job and there's more and more instances every year now where we're seeing these drivers uh, translate their skills from a simulator all the way to uh, you know a real racing car and do very well and and beat you know hundreds and thousands of, of other racing drivers. So it's uh, it's great to see and it's something which um, I also enjoy seeing and, and, and like seeing these drivers who you know they come from all types of backgrounds from wherever they are in the world and it's a much cheaper option to start in terms of getting a simulator driving at home and then winning a, a championship or a category or, or something online and getting the opportunity to translate it into um, uh, yeah, real racing, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you don't smell the uh, the petrol quite as strongly in the simulator, but it's a <laughs> lot of fun. I'm curious, though, from your perspective, I know you've, uh, you've raced in a bunch of the different simulators and used a bunch of the different uh, platforms, but, you know, what are the, you know, what are the biggest similarities when you talk about the those skills that translate between you know esports and simulator driving to to real driving. What are those like biggest similarities between the simulator experience uh, and and the real racing experience? And then like, what's the biggest difference? Like, what are we missing when when we're in the sim? What are the biggest things we're missing yeah. from uh, real racing? Um, well, I'm guessing the the main thing which is uh, which is very good is just getting the experience of driving uh, any type of car. And I guess mainly for me, a Formula One car on all these different types of tracks and tracks where maybe you've never been to. Um, but the accuracy is incredible. Every little bump, every curb, um, the feeling over all of these bumps and curbs um, are, are super impressive and they feel exactly how they should do and need to. For when you go there in real life, they feel exactly the same. Um, and it's not only used for, you know, for my driving and, and for me to compare my skills against any other driver that drives on the simulator, but also for the development of the team and trying things on the car. And, um, you know, a lot of the developments and upgrades we use for a Formula One car go through the simulator first and they get put on the simulator and get, um, you know, really the go ahead of, is this something that's going to be, you know, helping us in the right direction and beneficial for us. And it then gets the yes or the no or the okay and then gets put into the actual development and built and made and sent to the actual racetrack. So it's not only very important for myself, but also for um, the team. And that's, again, something which is developing every year and becoming more and more accurate. And um, that's uh, a cool thing to be part of, you know, giving that yes or no to a part, which is designed for a Formula One car. Um, and, you know, especially when I was uh, joining McLaren three, four years ago, being that person to, to try those things and give the yes or the no on different parts and uh, give the feedback on a Formula One car, which then gets sent out, you know, in a couple of weeks to the actual race drivers is a, is a very cool thing to be part of. So it's, um, yeah, not just beneficial for the driver themselves, but also the whole team around it. 
Absolutely. Now I know you've had a chance to race in a, in a lot of, uh, in a lot of E races, uh, previously, and we're bummed. We didn't get a chance to have you join us in the virtual race to conf. We did have some of your, uh, your esports team members, uh, participants join us, which is super cool. And they're going to be racing with us today. Um, but I'm curious from your perspective, what's your like favorite, you know, esports events that event that you've maybe uh, participated in the past? Uh, well, there's been a lot I've, you know, I've done it for, um, five, six, seven, well, probably 10 years now in terms of, you know, racing online competitively. Um, so there's been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of, you know, ones I've enjoyed and I've not enjoyed so much. Um, but I guess the, the bigger ones have been within the last couple or the last year, you know, during lockdown, during the last few months, um, because so many more people have come online and started racing again, uh, racing online uh, and against myself, then uh, it's made it a lot more enjoyable to race people I, I know a lot more rather than just people I've kind of met online. So there's, um, I don't know which one would be my favorite, I guess, uh, 24 hours of Spa. I managed to win with uh, with Max Verstappen and, and two other drivers. Um, so that's probably my biggest achievement uh, or our, our biggest achievement that we've uh, achieved on online racing and in esports. Um, and again, some of the most you know competitive and most skilled drivers as well. So it's not just a small race. It was a was a very big one. So it was very nice to win. Yep. Um, and I guess the ones I've not enjoyed so much are uh, the ones where I've been uh, doing reasonably well, and then I get disconnected, or my mm. Wi-Fi drops halfway through the race. I guess that's something I've uh, experienced a lot because my internet at home is um, not particularly good. And uh, yeah, with online racing, it's not like real racing, you know, it's effectively like running out of fuel in the middle of the race and you're just out. So uh, I guess that's the more annoying thing of racing online at home. <laughs> well, hey, Lando, thank you so much for joining us. That was uh, perfect. Thanks, Corey. It truly is incredible all the cool things that Lando has done. It's really awesome to have him on the Big Data Beard podcast. But now let's go talk to two gentlemen that are really behind the partnership of McLaren and Splunk. Well, very good. Well, let's start out, gentlemen. Uh, we'll start with you, Dan. Dan, why don't you tell us your name, your role, and what you do? Oh, hi there, Corey. Um, listen, it's great to be here. So my name's Dan McEwen. I'm head of partnerships at McLaren Racing. Um, so my job really is about the management of all of our commercial and technical partners that we have for the race team. So that's currently 42 of them, of which Splunk are of one of our newest that joined us earlier this year. So that can range from the technical deployment of their services throughout the race team, uh, all the way through to the kind of marketing uh, and commercial storytelling that we do. Um, so I'm the one that gets to fortunately play both sides of the fence. Uh, and I have a lot of fun doing so with a good team around me. Excellent. James, how about you? Why don't you uh, tell us your name, your uh, title, and what you do for Splunk? Hey, Corey. Uh, thanks for having me. So I'm James Hodge. I'm the Chief Technical Advisor at Splunk. Uh, what I do is quite often a big question. Uh, I kind of talk for a living, uh, doing a lot of executive engagement. I get to build demos with Lego and some really cool stuff. Uh, but actually, the most important thing I get to do is uh, work with Dan and the McLaren team on getting, kind of bringing data to everything that McLaren do. It's it's been an amazing last few months and my son is so confused about what daddy does for work because he quite regularly sees me driving Formula One games during the day. And <laughs> I, I'm fully classing that as a work activity now. 
Perfect. So, Dan, do me a favor. Folks may know uh, McLaren from obviously, uh, you know, making some beautiful supercars. But I, I think McLaren's a little bit more than just an auto manufacturer. So why don't you give us just a high level of, you know, who McLaren is and, and really what you're focused on? Yeah, so as you say, we're, we're very fortunate that we're so well known around the world as this kind of luxury supercar business that, that everybody gets to see, you know, driving the streets, whether that be Radio Drive or up and down Bond Street, wherever you are. But um, I suppose it goes back far longer than that to, to 1963 when, uh, I suppose, a New Zealander, our founder, Bruce McLaren, um, founded the Formula One team. So we've been competing in Formula One now almost nearly 60 years. Um, and, you know, the technology that's really, I suppose, driven and derived from from that, um, at the pioneering element of, of I suppose, engineering, um, I suppose it comes off of the Formula One car and then into our road cars. Uh, not only does it go into the road cars, but we take a lot of the, the data, uh, we take a lot of the insight and the, the evolutionary work that goes on and actually how we can apply that into to modern day technology in the world itself. So whether that be some of the projects we've been involved in around aerospace, uh, around uh, aerodynamic efficiencies of that of, you know, ships uh, sail on the seas. Um, to connected trains as well. So how we how we move data through, you know, from a Formula One car going around a track at over 300 kilometers an hour nowadays and get, getting data back to a central point uh, to be analyzed is no different to, to that of a, a large-scale transport network. So there's modern day applications in healthcare as well. So again, analyzing data uh, across the healthcare, healthcare spectrum to try and understand and predict the onset of illnesses or the way that uh, medication can be administered to course correct. Really no different to that of a racing strategy over a weekend of you know looking at the data trying to find the insights that will help us predict and optimize a strategy so our three main you know business units of formula one automotive and applied um but then even within racing itself where we're involved in a number of different racing series and categories so you know formula one is our historic uh and what we'd call i suppose the the blue ribbon series that we're involved in uh we also race in indycar in the usa with the arrow mclaren smith peterson team and we also have our esports team as well, um, and a number of customer GT race racing teams uh, and championships that race around the world. So again, a business that spans uh, you know a number of disciplines. Uh, we've got about four thousand in the business, um, and I suppose, but at the heart of it comes that kind of you know that racing relentless pursuit of, I suppose, uh, advancing and and the relentless. Um, pursuit of better. It was just, was Bruce's kind of old, old coining phrase. So uh, very much focused on that um, and the integration of all of those technical services amongst the group. Excellent. Well, one of the reasons why we were so excited to have you all uh, participate in the virtual race to conf is that racing heritage. Um, but you had a personal chance to uh, to jump in with us on the on the race to conf. So I wanted to just talk to you about you know what was it like for you going from. You know, I, I know you've probably got some experience in cars, but, you know, what was it like for you dealing with like this transition from real life racing over to iRacing in a simulator? Well, it's, it's interesting from the, the real racing side where, where I sit from my role at McLaren, kind of trackside in the garage with guests, you know, helping look over data um, and talk them through, you know, that of what's going on in the garage during a pit stop, a strategic call um, during the race itself. So, Actually, instead of it being, I suppose, hospitality side and explaining, it was quite nice to be in the hot seat myself, the one actually having to make those calls. So looking over some of the data that was coming in, um, certainly very different to 
should we say some of the more arcade racing that we normally do and have done in the past uh you know i racing higher fidelity really need to control the throttle the braking you know shift gear shifting is such an important piece to to prevent wheel spin compared to some of the more arcade games and i think that the thing that i had most fun with to start with is actually setting up the steering wheel um so you know the number of buttons and different commands that you can program onto one of those things just for that of getting started in i racing was great you know look left look right as far as change of depth of field. Um, so it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it took, took a couple of days to get everything set up and I think therefore comfortable ahead of uh, heading out on track with you guys. But uh, it was good. It was a lot of fun. How long did you get into your first lap before you spun out or hit a wall out of curiosity when you first started? Well, I think it was probably immediately, to be honest <laughs> with you, Brett. <laughs> so join the club. <laughs> yeah, you go, yeah. I think it was, again, from going from uh, from racing the, the F1 2019 on a PlayStation 4, which is what I had from a system perspective, to getting the Alienware PC in, um, you know, getting the Logitech wheel set up. It was, it was great to actually then get the simulator actually up and running. And it was just immediate. You, you could feel the difference in, um, you know, the, the control of the car, the need the the way that it rolls it's stiffer um and again i suppose what you didn't get in in i racing is that different um field of view so normally a lot of the arcade games you can obviously have a chasing view you know above the car stuff like that whereas no your, your option is you're locked and loaded in the car as if you're a driver which again brings a new dynamic and dimension to to sim racing which is great it was it was it was a nice transition and actually once i <laughs> once i spun on the first lap i kind of realized to myself you got a bit of practice before you jump in with everybody on Wednesday. That's what we talked about. And I was, uh, I know I got a message from James <laughs> when he started that racing too, that he had a similar, uh, experience moving from a video game to, uh, to a simulator. So James, I'm curious from your perspective, what was your, what was your favorite part of participating in the, uh, in the virtual race to comp this year? I think it had to be, uh, learning how to get out of the pit lane at Silverstone without <laughs> getting a penalty. Um, it was yeah. it was certainly a learning curve, but I think the thing for me. So I'm I like watching cars. I I have to confess I have a uh, Volvo State. I think it's a Volvo station wagon with a diesel engine with two child seats in the back and cream leather seats. You know, it it just screams. You know, I'm into my cars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never really driven fast cars before. I had been an avid F1 watcher. I, it's been amazing working with McLaren and really getting into kind of the data and behind the scenes. And I played kind of the video games, but iRacing, it just brought it to life uh, for me. And it actually made me think about how am I actually braking rather than kind of stomp the brake and then onto the accelerator. You're starting to learn how to do it better. I'm really lucky as part of my job, I get to look at emerging technology. Uh, so I, I, I might have a virtual uh, reality headset at home. And putting, <laughs> and it, it, yeah, and it might be justified as part of my job, uh, which is, I think, even cooler. I think it's kind of life goals. Fantastic. A, yeah, virtual reality headset. I didn't manage to quite justify the steering wheel with work, uh, but being able to sit during the working day with a VR headset on learning how to race is, but but say the, the 18-year-old me would have never expected that, and you can get paid for that. Um, but it, it immerses you in it, and you want to do better and better and better. And the first thing I actually found out I did was... I couldn't get faster and I knew Dan was faster. I knew you a lot faster, Corey, and was actually starting to look at the data. Like, okay, where am I lifting? Where am I braking too hard? How am I turning this corner? And then just kind of relentlessly going around the track again and again and again, practicing different corners and getting better and kind of really immersing myself in the game. And I think for me, that is what esports is 
doing is it's allowing us, and especially with VR, to be able to immerse yourself in an experience that you never would have had access to normally. And, and so I, I've loved every minute, minute of it. Yeah, so James, first and foremost, what a recruiting job you just did for Splunk. I mean, that was awesome right there. <laughs> VR headsets, driving during the day, that's amazing. Uh, but I'm curious, just you know, in the races that you've participated in, which, which track was your favorite? Which one do you think gave you the best experience, allowed you to really you know, go back afterwards and look at the data and see how you were able to break or what you should have done differently? It, it was, I think it was at Sonoma, where you've got that... Uh, Laguna Seca. Oh, Laguna Seca, that was it. Yeah. You can you genuinely get airtime, and I can't wait to see with the data, because normally it shows you what surface your tire's on, and I'm convinced at least once I had all four tires off the ground, and I would love to see what uh, iRacing recorded that as. And, <laughs> That's but, awesome. But, but definitely, I think for me, Laguna, because it's got this amazing kind of some tight turns, and that when you go over the crest of that hill, you kind of have just have to know where the corner is and how to get your line right and have faith to kind of then go and make that right turn down it. And that was just so much fun. I think that was my second race. So I, by then I kind of got over the nerves of a race, realized that turn one on iRacing is just kind of chaos. And so I was quite glad I maybe have qualified at the back and found out there's a really good advantage. I think I was kind of quite quite a way up the front. The thing I nice. really enjoyed seeing was the McLaren drivers. So I think Dan had a couple of ringers um, who were... Who uh -huh. Let's just say they were they're beyond fast, but they were having to then navigate around people like myself, and you were never quite sure which way I was going on the corner. Well, so Dan, I'm curious from your perspective. You uh, you joined us for a number of the races as well. What was your favorite part of the uh, virtual race comp? Yeah, so uh, I suppose sadly after the, our, our ringers couldn't uh, couldn't compete full scale on every race, uh, they they drafted the old guard like myself in to uh, to have a toodle around on a Sunday drive. So, um, <laughs> but certainly for me, I mean, I loved Silverstone. You know, our home race. I'm British. You know, we we race there, you know, real world every year. So. Actually going around Silverstone, uh, you know, 180, 200 mile an hour a can, it, it was just brilliant, as, as James said, to kind of put yourself into that. It brings it to life. It really does. So, you know, getting around those corners and flicking it into Abbey, trying to let it run around Luffield, you know, how on earth that you see a normal F1 car go through, you know, those three tight maggots, Beckett's and Chapel kind of flat out. It's just, it's just incredible. Um, but for me, I suppose Tsukuba uh, was was one of my favourites. Not the longest track, but I enjoyed the short, sharp twists of it. Um, lots of fun, lots of close racing. You know, people people picking each other off. I suppose <laughs> inside lines, outside lines. Um, but then I, I loved Vegas as well. So it was a great way to finish. So for me, um, there was a number of race tracks that we raced at that I'd you know never been round before, never even seen. So the, the the kind of split track that we had in Vegas of part. I think it was part indie, um, kind of space speedway, part infield, kind of, you know, more street circuit racing was, was just brilliant fun. And, and, and like James said as well, I mean, I wasn't able to race at League in a sec, but when you've got those, t those turns that come up that you just know you've got to hit a line and you've got to keep your foot in it and just hope that the car's going to behave and you kind of come out of it and go, oh, I've got to do that another 30 times now. And hopefully the car behaves. That's the fun part of it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was definitely, I was humbled by a lot of people in the races, let's just say that, but, you know, definitely watching the, the McLaren eSports team drive in and kind of how they were always consistent and, and quick in every single turn, uh, it was amazing. And and Dan, just, you know, how is McLaren using the eSports program kind of as a, as a platform for future development uh, and to really help drive the future of motorsports? 
Yeah, so it's, I mean, Brett, it's, it's an amazing uh, platform and program that we're fortunate to, to have run for a number of years now. So it started back in 2017 with a, with a competition that we started called World's Fastest Gamer. Um, and, you know, if you'll in, indulge me for two minutes to, to talk it through by where there's a, a Rudy van Berwin, a young a uh, Dutch gentleman who grew up in karting in the country. His family couldn't afford for him to continue. He got good at it. So he took up sim racing instead um, as a cheaper price point, ended up as a as a regional salesman. Um, then he won the world's fastest game, which is where we 30,000 people had competed online. And his his actual reward for that was to become a McLaren kind of test and development sim driver for the year. So uh, he raced for us at the Race of Champions, which he won. Uh, he did a number of, I suppose, automotive test and development days. Um, and now actually he's, he's come full circle and he's got a professional racing contract in, uh, in, in Germany in the Porsche Carrera cup. Um, and also has done some kind of, I suppose, sim racing for the Mahindra Formula E team. So it's incredible for, for these young men and women to be able to kind of almost complete the life cycle of where they've had to step away from physical racing, whether that be through uh, life choices, finance, um, and actually be able to dial into simulation racing at home. You know, Eagle Fraga was our next winner of, of something we called the Shadow Project, which was effectively, you know, year two um, of the competition. So it was to mirror that of the real world F1 team. Uh, Eagle Fraga, uh, a Brazilian who won, has now got a professional contract in Formula 3, which is the kind of support series for, for F2 and, and Formula 1. Um, and then last year, uh, Kevin Siggy, uh, who now is, a, is an esports sim driver as well. So it, it's a great should we say, um, proving ground, but also it's, it's extremely accessible. I think James mentioned earlier, you know, the idea of motorsports and opening up that accessibility for these, not just from a, a, a Formula One perspective, but automotive um, across multi-platforms. You know, we were all playing on probably PCs, but having PlayStation, Xbox, um, you know, and even mobile gaming is getting even better now. So running these competitions and, 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 and having a grassroots program that's feeding the funnel at the top, um, you know, and you, the, the actual transferable skill set from virtual to real world are actually not too, too dissimilar. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest challenge that most people face coming from the virtual to real world is the physicality. So you don't get the three, four, five G's of, of weight and, uh, you know, and force as you're going through a corner at 200, 250 miles an hour. Um, but, but as we are now, uh, we've, we've got a great partnership with Logitech. Uh, we, we're running a global competition called the Logitech McLaren G challenge, which is the world's biggest e-racing competition, um, on project cars too. So a title, um, and we're just about to head into the regional quarterfinals online, um, before we then kind of whittle it down on a regional basis to get ourselves to, uh, to a winner for the year. So it's been a great program. We've engaged, you know, over half a million people over the last probably three to four years in the program. Um, and I suppose with the pandemic and the shift uh, of people to a digital landscape, esports and certainly e-racing has just you know exploded. And it's great that we're kind of at the forefront of that with a great team, a great setup, really good partners. You know, Splunker supporting us with a lot of the work that we did in the virtual GP series earlier this year with with Lando racing from a professional perspective, and and Veloce, who are our I suppose our, our esports team management, who are the guys that fortunately helped us bring some of those ringers from our academy team. Um, along for a couple of rides uh, that certainly showed us all where the time was to be gained and certainly where, where we all lost it anyway. Well, they certainly put on a clinic, that is for sure. Yeah. And I think uh, your story is made so so abundantly true in that uh, this simulated racing, you know, when using something like iRacing, is so incredibly realistic. The physics engine behind it is so good that the skills you learn here 
are, I believe, absolutely transferable based on your stories. And one of the things I think is interesting about it is I'm not sure that there's any other category of esports that that is equally true, like as there is in racing, yeah, that you could actually go from being an esports gamer to being a professional driver. It's true. I mean, we we talk a lot when we're either talking to existing partners or, or prospects around, you know, the transferable skills from whether that be fantasy games to real world challenging there um you know some of the the shoot 'em up games um but but also fifa you know the 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 sports games nba 2k nfl madden uh, you could be the greatest online you know gamer of one of those sporting titles but it's unlikely that you're going to step on a pitch with cristiano ronaldo lionel messi lebron james you know or any of those stars so um we're very fortunate that actually you can train in a simulation environment. And, and actually what's amazing about it is that for Formula One, we've actually run races in simulation for, for a number of years. That actually helps inform what we do physically live at the track as well. So there is that genuine interdependability between both both virtual and real. And just, I suppose, merging the worlds together, or there's certainly fusing together, so to speak, is going to make it a really exciting proposition not just for fans, um, but for partners um, and the commercial landscape as well, which is, which is great. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a real one to keep an eye on as, as it grows and the, the real and virtual worlds really do come together under a new kind of a sport and entertainment uh, mix and property. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's all about transformation, right? You're transforming somebody's life by being able to have those skills developed in the sim that could go out and race. But I, I think the other transformation I want to dig into is the fact that data has absolutely become a, a critical uh, fuel for advantage in, in motorsports racing. Uh, and we've seen it in a number of ways and a number of the you know increased data collection, the increased uh, sort of need for intelligent data and analytics being done in real time in racing, simulations uh, of scenarios being done using modern machine learning and algorithm development, I think is cool. And I'm curious from James, from your perspective, when you think about the the partnership between uh, McLaren uh, and Splunk, w w talk to me about the data transformation that you're really trying to empower uh, in racing using the Splunk and McLaren partnership. Well, I think the first thing to to think about the partnership is, you know, McLaren and a race car they produce so much data; it's kind of unbelievable, but it also becomes overwhelming. Where do you focus on getting performance? Is it the driver? Is it um, aerodynamics? Is it the engine? You know, where, where do you start to look at? At the beginning of the year, we were hoping to go racing. Obviously, that all got kind of ground to a halt. So we ended up doing the virtual Grand Prix and partnering with McLaren on that. I'm going to never forget getting onto a Zoom call with uh, Dan, uh, with Lando Norris, uh, the McLaren driver, with uh, Randy who is the head of race strategy and Pierre Aubameyang, uh, the Arsenal uh, football captain, that's soccer to you Americans. And um, Pierre was going to be driving in the virtual Grand Prix. And so we had getting all this telemetry out of the, the game, sending it into Splunk. And we we're sending that to, to Randy to have a look at. And Lando was watching his, his driving. And it's really interesting watching Lando be able to pick up on just how Pierre was reacting on track, saying you're not breaking here right, you need to think about it, you need to look a bit further on, and how that was starting to match up in the coaching that uh, Randy was independently giving. 
And he could start to see that there was a place for both that intuition that Lando was seeing and the data to almost reinforce the confidence to then go and say, right, you definitely want to go and do this. So I think where McLaren are doing, they've got some amazing people that are just bringing kind of the automotive and Formula One on. It is then how do we start to give that kind of data to them so they can inform and have confidence in, yes, this is the direction we want to go. And if it's a component or a really major decision and it's really exciting. I think, um, you know, data can drive and fuel a complete culture change at McLaren. Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, Dan, from your perspective, what are some of the ways that that you're working with the team to really bring that data transformation, that commercial partnership to life uh, through events? Or, you know, what are some of your favorite ways that you're seeing those partnerships really manifest in uh, for McLaren? Yeah, and, we, and we're really fortunate. So James and the team, um, you know, James is, I suppose, our, our, a big champion of, of what we're doing together internally. But there's a, there's a huge team, you know, of, I suppose, data analysts, uh, mathematicians, statisticians, user experience, you know, design that goes into it. But I suppose for, for us, we have, you know, over 200 sensors on an F1 car collecting over 1.5 terabytes of data over a weekend that we need to analyze in real time trackside. Uh, but then also, you know, after the race, is really drill down into the insights to find that performance. So there's there's a big piece to be done on the racing side uh, where, as we say, there's there's the piece uh, track side, there's a piece at the MTC and mission control, there is the offline piece around some of the tech development around aero performance, aerodynamic performance, systems testing, actually getting the data off of new components that we're either testing in the wind tunnel um, or through computational fluid dynamics. Um, so that's all helping really, I suppose, shape and and focus in on what we're doing from a performance side of things. Uh, the guys have been amazing at supporting, you know, our group IT. So we have a huge real estate that needs to be stood up trackside every two weeks uh, around the world. Certainly as we are back racing now, you know, some of the triple headers that we're in at the moment, you know, a completely new IT architecture and infrastructure um, and then monitoring the the data. So from trackside back to base and everywhere in between to ensure that, you know, we've got optimizing our data flow points, that we're not hitting any critical surges, that we've got enough storage facility. So that's been a big part of, of migrating a lot of that stuff to the cloud. Um, the other great stuff that, that we've been involved in is around the visualization of this. So sometimes I'd say macro data would scare people just through the, the, the name of it and the idea of having a CSV file with, you know, thousands of, of, of columns and lines in it. But but what Splunk do better than anybody that I know is the visualization of that. Um, and it's something that we've looked to do through esports of just trying to bring a really um, simple, guided, uh, and user-friendly way of understanding, interpreting that data to compare and contrast to derive those insights. So, you know, as, as James mentioned, the, the Lando and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the Arsenal captain, of just having four very simple data sets of, I think it was speed, um, throttle, brake, and steering lock. And just having four very simple graphs that you could overlay with each other, you could immediately pick out um, you know, the difference in braking zones where they were training around Monaco. So where Lando was keeping his foot down, Pierre was easing off. Steering lock, Pierre was going into the corners far too deep, actually having to do a full U-turn because he was losing the speed. So it's that visual uh, representation of data that's going to make a big difference. And again, for all of our fans and our guests that will host trackside when we when those races open up, it's going to be a big thing that Splunk are helping us with, you know, really drive that user experience and understanding that data um, to just bring a bit more familiarity to a, to an otherwise environment that's that can be quite difficult to understand if you're not, I suppose, from a technical background. I think one of the things that 
kind of Dan touched on, which is bringing it to, to race sides. You've got all the things Dan described. I think the one of the things that I found amazing when I first found out about how they make things like pit stop decisions, being able to have to kind of send data from track side through these two kind of server racks that are in a really hostile environment in a garage. You know, those are not places where most kind of data center administrators would ever want to place IT equipment, kind of send that data back and then uh, back to track side again. It was actually the other part about it is how do you engage the next wave of Formula One fans? I think Dan was talking about, you know, as you're going around learning Silverstone and iRacing, I think that's one thing that really kind of brought it to life. I mean, kind of following some of the, the upcoming races, jumping on the game, driving them in various different cars and really understanding those tracks so when you start to kind of watch that on tv and start to get into it it really brings it to life so it's not just you know the, the car went round fast it is how do they do each corner and the thing we're, we're starting to really start to look into is could we actually start to surface more of that data uh, to fans so they can always say like could they drive a lap as fast as lando and be able to have them a, a comparison and those type of things to to kind of invigorate people on what you can discover with data Man, if I can get within, I don't know, five percent or ten percent of of the of the time, uh, that would be a a dream for me. Yeah. James, I'm just, just curious. So just just one to add there um, was around as well. It's not just the data we have now, but it's also historic. So as I mentioned at the top of the the session, you know, being a historic Formula One team with years worth of data, what we're also looking to do is help visualize some of that old historic data. So when you look back over the archives of whether that be Ayrton Senna's MP44, one of the most successful cars in history, taking the data that we had at the time from that car and actually throwing it through through Splunk, um, actually seeing what that comes to life from a, from a historic perspective as well. So there's all the stuff that we're doing now, but from a, from a fan and experience perspective, that again, to, to really show the, the benefits of, of, of the program and the platform and the service that, that we work together on, um, we're very fortunate we're going to be dipping into some of the history books and having some fun with that as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, James, I'm really curious. What's next on the the docket for the partnership with Splunk and McLaren? So, what we're really focusing on is McLaren's transformation. You know, when when Zach Brown joined uh, a few years ago, he really kind of set that vision out on on where he wants McLaren to go, and that wasn't just trackside. It's transforming the entire business and the way they think internally. Uh, becoming data informed and almost data as a, as a culture, I think Dan would describe it as you know, fearlessly forward is the way that they're trying to drive the company. So what we're really focusing on is looking at what that transformation matters. So that whether that is when they run a, a CFD computation on the uh, supercomputer, making sure that they can get every single last second out of the time allotted by the FIA to make sure that's productive through to really simple things. How do you bring the McLaren experience to the coffee dispenser in their offices? You know, you, they don't want anyone distracted by this concept of something not working. So how do we just bring data to make everything just excellent uh, at uh, McLaren? And I'm so excited to, to watch their season so far. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. And it's just so exciting to be part of this ride with them. Absolutely. Well, it, I think it's... Uh... It is absolutely wonderful to see the partnership with Splunk actually helping McLaren achieve its objectives. And that's really what those great partnerships are about is synergistic goals. And it's been awesome to hear 
from both the two of you and also the other team uh, members from McLaren. Tell us all about how really data is transforming uh, the world of racing, how uh, esports is absolutely a critical component to the transformation and the development of drivers. And, uh, and, and just, it's been awesome to have you all participate in the virtual race to dot conf. And I'd certainly encourage everybody to tune in to uh, tomorrow's race and our podcast as well. Thanks so much for being on the big data beard podcast and be sure to check out all the good stuff happening with the virtual race to conf at big forward slash VR two C. Thank you for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast on our virtual race to .conf 2020. For more information and to see all of the virtual race content, check out bigdatabeard.com forward slash VR2C. Special thanks to our partners, Splunk, Dell Technologies, Red River, Hippo Digital, Intel, Arrow, and McLaren.